0: Music from D.C. and Baltimore, you'll find it all here on Corridor. Waltzes is a cut time or straight 4-4, you'll find it all here on Corridor.
1: Hi everybody, it's Kelsey, and welcome back to Quartercast. we got Subtastics here this week. They have a show coming up on December 20th at the Metropolitan Kitchen and Lounge in Annapolis, so be sure to check that out. They have a cassette out called Beta Mails. Which is really just about everything you want from good pop punk. You have fun, you get a little emotional, it's great. Check it out. Before you hear my talk with them, I just wanted to give you an update on how the podcast is gonna be rolling out over the next couple of weeks. Uh this is gonna be the last show before Christmas. We'll get back to it in the new year. We'll get back to it strong. I have a conversation with Shauna for more on women that I really want you guys to hear. She offered a lot of insight into into the band, into and into making scenes safer. So that'll be coming up in the new year. I think after that, we'll go back to a bi-weekly schedule that might give you guys a chance to catch up on some of the episodes you maybe missed. Okay, and to update you on what's going on with Santa Labrata, because I always like to leave you with a little something. Sounds like we're going to put together a vinyl release for the upcoming album, give you a physical copy of something to hold on to. Over this past week, uh, we saw some updated artwork, and it looks great. I'm really looking forward to it being ready. It'll definitely look good on the cover, look good on stickers, all that stuff. So that's where the band's at now. Now we're going to hear where the subtastics are at. And before we get to that, I'm going to play But For You off the upcoming cassette beta mails. Take a listen to that. Everybody have a great Christmas. Have a great Hanukkah. Have a great Kwanzaa. Have a great New Year. All of it. And I'll see you guys again after the first. Subtastics, thanks for having me over. How are you guys doing?
2: Really well. Doing well Thank you, you for this. saying the name
1: right. <laughs> How do you
2: say it? That- uh, I, my favorite mispronunciation is people call it the substatics, which is Sub-static. which it's a better way better name than yeah. um, Subtastics, <laughs> so like, people just want us to be better.
1: <laughs> Maybe there's a ch- name change in the future, but... I don't know. Um, so to start with, just so everybody can recognize who's speaking, can you say your name and what you play, please? Oh, uh, sure. I'm
3: Jeremy, and I play guitar and do the more singing vocals. I'm Ryan, play drums and do the occasional
2: vocals. Uh, I'm Paul, and I hold a bass and occasionally <laughs> make noises with it. And I'm also the, the grouchy, grumpy vocals that happen
1: in the background. of everything. <laughs> sure. Trademark grouchy, grumpy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how did you all meet? Uh, I know you guys were in a band together before you mentioned.
0: Yeah, so... Um, a bit of a Venn
2: diagram kind of thing. We actually hit... The the three of us actually have a really odd mixed history. Um, we all go back way before ever playing music together. Um, but we were all kind of part of this uh, Crofton punk scene that happened in the mid-90s. Uh, Jeremy was in bands... Uh, uh, Lemon Joy was probably the main band, I guess, that you were in. in, the, the, in the that would have been memorable, that no one would ever heard of. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So, Jerry was involved in music, and I lived in... Uh, so, Jeremy lived in Crofton, Ryan lived in Crofton, and I lived up in Millersville, so I had bands up in Millersville. and But there was this whole Crofton punk scene, like Crofton Fire Hall, uh, Baldwin Hall, all these places, and uh, it was like every Friday, Friday and Saturday night, there was a show that was going on. And so... I was going to these shows, Jeremy was going to them, Ryan was going to them, and it wasn't until I was in college that I met some people from Crofton, and we kind of just started talking about where we were from and what we did, and I realized that I had gone to all these shows with all these people, that I had known all these people for years and not realized it. Ryan actually went to high school with friends, my best friends from high school, Um, so I went to a different school than they did, Ryan went to a different school, but I hung out with all these guys, so there's like crazy overlap. And then, um, and then the school that I went to also produced a couple of pretty darn good
0: musicians and Webster and uh, the Thumbs right. as well. So it's
2: yeah. So then in, in college, <laughs> I ran yeah, yeah. constant exposure. Yeah. So in college, I ran into these people that were all part of the Crofton Punk scene. We kind of bonded over that, and uh, some of them. Uh, one of them was actually Jeremy's little brother. Uh, lived with him for a while in college, and so I started doing bands with those guys and this other guy, Josh. And that's actually how Ryan and I got together. We were doing a band early two thousands and kinda did that for a long, long time and that band changed names once and Twice then I guess, some yeah. And through, th- yeah. And then the, yeah that right that kind of that ended when one of the guys moved to uh to uh Seattle and so Ryan and I found ourselves with a empty practice spot and like I mean rhythm section's cool but Yeah, we need, need, need more than that. Need me a little more that so we you know, knowing Jeremy and Jeremy doing band, we're just like, all right, let's See if this is stupid.
3: And it was. Well and Paul and I already agreed to do a, a Dead Kennedys cover band. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, and that was kind of the same exact time. So we we're after that practice one day we we're like, hey, we should just kinda of able to do something else that's not this. I like Dead Kennedys enough, but it's not really something I'm gonna write. Yeah, that's that's so. well
2: paid scientists, our female fronted now five piece since Lauren is with child. Uh, mm-hmm. Dick Kennedy's cover band oh
1: that's awesome so that's still playing They're yeah, getting, yeah we, you guys are still
2: together yeah it's you know it's it's one of those like people say oh how many bands are you in and I can give them a stupid number but a bunch of those bands it's like one of those where somebody books us for a show and we'll practice a couple times two weeks out and I mean it's Dead Kennedy songs you, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like for, yeah, for yeah, twice, twice a year, year and, maybe you know but right. it's still fun to do we do uh, yeah, yeah, holidays bar mitzvahs uh,
1: holidays in Cambodia right that's yeah, awesome. yeah. <laughs>
2: perfect <laughs> Yeah, so we've all, I mean, we've all known each other for a while, for a long time, been friends for a long time, and done music together for a while, so it was really kind of easy to fall into this.
1: Yeah. No, that's cool. And and tell me more about Crofton, because I'm a lifelong Marylander, but I had Mm -hmm. no idea there was a Crofton punk scene. Oh, wow. So...
3: Yeah, Crofton, Bowie, and and that area in the mid, the early to mid-90s is where, like, the P-tanks came out of that area, and they were huge, and Plunger, and... You know, all these bands that have ended up all kind of shifting into Baltimore in some way, shape, or form. Um, uh, Mike Hall was in the P Tanks in his current band. Uh, we just played with this last weekend. Yeah, Sea Lilies. Sea Lilies. They're I mean, there's, awesome. there's loads the of people phones. who are from that that scene. There's still in plenty of bands You know, that play in Baltimore and D.C. area now. So it's just, it was, and I don't know how big it was if you didn't live there, but if you did, like Paul said, it was the thing to do. Every right. weekend, Friday, Saturday nights. Good at the loft, man. Good at a loft. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then as everyone got older, it kind of shifted into Baltimore somewhat. Yeah, you know, sure.
1: so. And so was it a lot of, like, uh, I think you mentioned, v, uh, what is it, VW Fire Halls? Yeah, Fire Halls and fire church Hall. halls right. they
3: could rent out. Yeah. I mean, some house shows. Baldwin, but Hall, Baldwin Hall, Hall. There actually was a Baldwin lot fire less Hall. house shows than you'd think. Because right. there were so many places that actually let us rent out. Uh, you know, like, the Fire Halls were the big one. That was Crawford Fire Halls pretty much every weekend for a long time. Uh, Baldwin oh. Hall was a little further up in Millersville, uh, there were plenty of places in Annapolis, but it was all these rental halls that would be fairly organized. Uh, it was it, <coughs> pretty pretty impressive, considering <laughs> you know now <laughs> I'm looking back, back to at teenagers. You <laughs> know
2: that I mean, and it really I mean it really was. It was like teenagers going in to these fire halls and saying, "Hey, I have 250 bucks. Can we have for the night?" And they were like, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> uh, don't wreck anything, and then eventually somebody would wreck something, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. and that would be the end of that. You had to find a new venue. lasted yeah, long enough. It was nice. All right, but it, I mean it. it it was it's it was really kind of a it was such a Crofton thing too because I I lived in Millersville and I went to Severna Park High School and I I knew the punk community and the pop punk community and so like I was so involved in it and but I was like the oddball in my area that was going down to Crofton to go to these shows. Severna Park kids were like busy just drinking stale beer in the back of their <laughs> dad's yard while their parents were out of town. It was like such a contrast and so. Like that's that worked out for me because I was never the biggest Severna Park high school kid. I was just like, I gotta find the weirdos, and the weirdos were all Crofton, So it worked out
3: really well. Not that there's anything wrong with drinking stale beer. You made up plenty of time in that. (laughs) Yeah, you know, yeah, I've covered stale beer pretty well, but.
1: But you don't have to wait till your parents are out of town, at least. To no, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and,
2: you know, don't worry about the cup. and you could drink, you know, stale Mad Dog in the parking lot of Baldwin Hall instead.
1: Yeah, there so. you go. <laughs> uh, so, what? Um, how do? How do I want to put it? Um, so, growing up in that scene, are there things that you learned from from it that you carry through now?
2: Um, Skinheads are bad. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: music is awesome like that's pretty much the one thing that I was you know 14 years old and you know my first show going to Baldwin Hall and just seeing the amount of people there and kind of seeing like there was actually like a crossover like I kind of noticed like, there were some kids that I knew would were classified as you know the quote-unquote jocks but then I looked on the other side and you had like the quote-unquote like punkers on the other side so just seeing for me this you know, kind of this universal love of music that everyone can have, as long as you know it's like it's good, people mm-hmm. are gonna love it no matter what it is. And There's this unifying aspect of music, and for me, it's just between that and just the expressiveness that you can do with music. You know, if you're in a bad mood, good mood, whatever, you know, put on a song that suits that mood. And mm-hmm. now to be able to
2: create the stuff with these guys, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, really, really, I funny. really took away a DIY attitude because I mean, it, well, like I mentioned, it <clears> was <throat> like teenage kids collecting up money and going to these folks running these venues and saying, hey, can we do a show? And they not only did they put on the show, they organized everything. Bands were self-recording back then. Um, You know, P-Tanks had, you know, they were doing Sneeze Guard records. I mean, Mm -hmm. everything was super – I mean, it's funny because you said, like, I didn't know there was a Crofton Punk scene, and and that's because it was probably pretty insular in some ways because it was so – Everybody working together in kind of that tight knit community and, and and doing that whole DIY thing. And so, you know, now with us, even though we're really, really old now, it's still the same thing, you know. We're putting our own stuff together, we're still organizing shows, we're contacting venues. At least now we're like, you know, somewhat reputable members of society, <laughs> you know. I, I, don't, I don't think Baldwin Hall would be too terrified if I showed up and yeah. asked to rent it. But if I had a show there they'd probably kick me
1: out. So <laughs> And, uh, so do you kind of see, or where do you see punk in Baltimore? I mean, I'm sure things have changed as you've gotten older, but also just in terms of the history of it, do you feel like there's a, a vibrant scene still? Or?
2: Oh, absolutely. And it, it, you know, it's, we're, we're old now. We still get yeah. to play, so. <laughs> yeah, a... we're, we're old now. And there's a whole, there's a whole group of young people. I mean, uh, you know, we were talking earlier before we started, uh, Canker Blossom, and you mentioned it, uh, yeah. just recently, uh when you're talking to Wing Dam, you know, those, they're out there and they are just killing it. And they have all the energy and less of the obligations that we do as, as, you know, so they're out there doing it. At the same time, there's still like so many familiar faces. Um, You know, this past weekend, uh, I helped host um, a benefit show. And one of the coolest parts about that benefit show is I get to invite all the bands I really love that are full of people that I love and I get to play with them um, and it's so cool because guys like Mike Hall, who's in, um, Sea Lilies now, but he was part of that Crofton scene. So, you know, these folks are still there. They, they may have gotten married. They may have gotten, you know, had kids. They may have gotten significantly older and fatter, uh, but they're That's all still people. there. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're, you know, it, it's funny cause they're all still there. And then at the same time, these, these newer bands, like, you know, Post Pink is out there and they're just killing it and Canker Blossom's out there. And then there's all sorts of, there's so many varieties, too. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Baltimore, it's hard to be like, what do you think of the Baltimore punk scene? Because there's, like, 32 different flavors. And, yeah. And really, you know, I don't think, I, I hear people sometimes saying, oh, well, there's nothing to do this weekend. And I don't think that's true. I think if you stay in a niche, then a lot of times there can be nothing to do that weekend. But Baltimore has so much, just music, not even punk in general, just so much music that's happening right now. It's it's just it's awesome to be like the teeniest fraction of a percent of it.
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely always something going on. I think, but yeah. Uh, so I want to talk to you guys about the new record you're working on. Do you guys have a name for it?
2: We do. It yeah. is it is beta males.
1: Beta, beta males. Yes. Beta <laughs> males. Uh, it perfectly <laughs>
2: describes our role, at least individually in society, <laughs> yeah. as absolute betas, and we're totally fine with that. But That's yeah, it's a so, this is it's a uh, it's an EP we're putting out. Uh, we actually got work. Last night it has been sent off to production. Uh, we are putting out cassettes, okay, because uh, I guess kids like cassettes. Yeah. <laughs> Dust off <Stop> your Walkman. <laughs> we're, we're hoping kids like it. Well, we did we did a run of CDs. Of, we, we we recorded previously and we did. It was kind of like a demo EP. We put a little extra work into it other than a demo, and we said, you know, this sounds good. Let's put it out. We put it out on CDs, and we moved. You know. Over a hundred of them, mm-hmm. I say move. We didn't sell necessarily right. over a hundred. Mm-hmm. We might be throwing them at strangers, yeah. you know. Yeah. And Brian moved. may have a shoebox full they of them moved. in the trunk of his car, but we, were you know, we got that stuff out there, and um, you know, it was good. And we, we enjoyed it, and we just thought, what's kind of the next thing? And I'm, I love vinyl, um, mm-hmm. but vinyl is so cost prohibitive yes. to, to make, and, and you and, have to wait a while to get right. back. And oh yeah, no, it takes a long time. It costs a lot of money. And uh, so we just kind of decided, like, let's do something a little different. So we're doing cassettes. Um, I have a slew of cassettes upstairs that I've never actually put in a cassette player. But luckily, everything comes with download codes. Yeah. So we're doing that. And so, yeah, we went we went to the studio when? September. September. So we went up to um, uh, Developing Nations with Kevin Bernstein. Uh, and he did our previous uh, demo EP. And so we recorded. We actually recorded seven tracks. Mm-hmm. If you buy the cassette... You get a bonus track. Oh nice. Look at that. We got marketing I'm not gonna tell you how terrible that bonus song is. <laughs> I don't think it's terrible. It's My terrible. song
3: would say it's the best song we've ever written. That's true. Uh,
1: according <laughs> to your song is three. Well, it's also so. called the Mr. Paul song, <laughs> yeah. according That's to the market for this. Right. So how how is there something special about this bonus track that it wasn't part of the regular
2: Oh uh, it was it was this uh, the original version of the song was like the definition of my first punk song. It was, it was, was like a minute ten, ten, ten seconds it, long. Yeah. It was a minute, ten seconds long. It was fast and it was stupid. I, second song as a band. Second song as a band. I wrote these lyrics just about being an old guy at the back of a punk rock show, and it was as dumb as you could imagine because that's what the song warranted. Oh, but then Ryan wound up uh, tearing his rotator cuff oh, and was, tearing my biceps. And tearing my oh. biceps. Oh. And we didn't cancel these the shows. We didn't cancel these shows. So you he need went. Need those for drumming. Right. <laughs> so he went and had surgery. It was like immobilized. All this stuff. So like we finally had a show coming up, and he's like, "I cannot play this thing as fast and as stupid as we had written it." And I mean, you know, we were still pretty new at that point. We needed to make a twenty-minute <laughs> set that song. We, we that needed that song. Um, So we just decided to write, like, let's slow it down and make it the sludgiest stupid Weezer song you can (laughs) ever make. And we did. And uh, I think the first time we played that was at Metro Gallery. Mm -hmm. And it it was so dumb and so hilarious all at the same time uh, that when we went into the studio, we were just like, you know, we had these six songs. We're like, definitely want to do these things. And then we had this song and we're just like, if we don't record it now... We're never going to record it. We're never going to have a version of it. So let's just take the extra time at the end of the session and do it. And we did. And actually, I'm, I'm really stoked that
3: we did it. because it was, it was a two-take song. It was yeah. like, if we don't get this oh, in two takes, yeah, yeah. forget right. it. We'll move on. I'm not paying extra time for this. And we did it because it's the simplest song we've got, basically. Right.
2: And I, I, I sing like it. And for anybody who, who wants it, an idea of what they're after, so they can grab one of these tapes, it sounds like Fat Mike has a head cold and he's singing a Bad
1: Weezer song. <laughs> that sounds like it's amazing. I'd <laughs> love um, to listen to that. I'm looking forward to it. Um, so, thanks for sending me those uh, those tracks. It yeah. sounds really good.
2: You, you, um, you're the you. first one. You've got them.
1: Oh, wow. Well, that, that was an, an exclusive. That was awesome. I've even heard of
2: interesting. This is where you can put in the sound effect. Exclusive.
1: Some air horns. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but um, yeah, the the sound of it. I was I was talking to right Ryan about this. The sound of it sounds a little cleaner, a little more produced than the first one. Were there specific uh, goals you had for either the songwriting or? Uh, the don't recording? break up as a band is my
2: <laughs> main goal. Um, I just want to stay on time. No, yeah. I I think you know our our first our first EP that we did it was a demo. We we went in, we did it. Um, it varies in tempo because we didn't really lock things into a click track or anything. Yep. And so this time around, we're like, let's let's focus. Let's try to make this tighter. I wanted to make sure that I was not uh, no. fluctuating as much. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So Ryan locked in on a click, and we rehearsed. I mean, we practiced for a couple of months leading up to these six songs all to a click, and we just we locked in. And really, the idea was, like, get it tight, get it clean. And then, I mean, I think one of the other reasons why it sounds a little bit of a bruise is we... We just took it a step further, you know. We spent more time in the studio working on it, and then we, we
0: got mastered. We got, got it mastered. A the other which recording? I think it also got there well, as a band too. We, we well, got
2: yeah, a, little better, a little bit, but, but I think mastering made more of a difference than any of <laughs> the musicianship uh, that we. Have. I mean, it, I've never really like had something professionally mastered. Mastered, you know. It's always been the guy running the board is kind of tweak things, mm-hmm. like, that's great. And we sent this off to Sunroom uh, Audio, who I think does some of, like, J-Rob and stuff and, and things like that. And I, I sent it off to him and I was like, so do you want our input, like, what we're looking for? And he's like, no, don't talk to me. <laughs> and I was like, okay. We get the <laughs> and And, like, so I sent it off to him and, like, a mm-hmm. week and a half later he's like, here's one track, what do you think? And we passed it around and I was like, Okay this is ridiculous. <laughs> and, it was, and he's like, do you have any input? I'm like, uh, no, keep making us sound better than we actually are.
1: And yeah, mastering is like a weird kind of magic because I don't know what they do, but it's 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 just something. It's that, total like, voodoo. Yeah. Puts it over the edge.
3: Well, I think the other part of it is, at least for me, uh, this is the first band I've been in in the 25 years i played music where I really wrote a lot of lyrics. So at least the songs that are on that first demo uh, were my first real Attempt at writing lyrics. So generally, I hate those songs because the I mean, <laughs> lyrics are very bad. Uh, I'm sure that next time we record, I'll say, "Oh, this this thing with this song," but I don't think so. I think the stuff I wrote on this, I feel a lot less embarrassed by. I feel a lot less like a 13 year old's diary, like I did in the first one. So graduated, graduated middle school. and now yeah. I'm a 17 year old. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay.
2: Well, there's a lot of that too because uh, previous to this, I, you know, Jeremy, and I kind of co front this band, and previous to this, I've never fronted. I mean, I avoided. And for good reason, when you listen to the CD, I avoided singing as much as possible. And you know, and again, it was like one of those things where I've always kind of written lyrics passed up around. Actually, it's funny. One of the tracks I sent to you, uh, but for you, um, it's a it's a a song where I wrote the basis of, of those lyrics probably in like 1999. Oh wow! Like maybe 2000. I remember like sitting in a community college lobby writing this song, and it was like I have the journal upstairs still that has all these terrible. Lyrics in it, and this was like the gem out of the terrible lyrics. And then, like 2003, 2004, Ryan walks in, and he's got this. You know, Ryan plays drums, but Ryan is always coming with guitar riffs because he just sits at home and then jams out a guitar. And he came in, he had this little ditty, and uh, the ditty is actually right at the beginning of the track. It was kind of an homage to how it was we sort of yeah. It was, it, was, it was pretty much a,
0: a the but for you is a song that I wrote, I think, like 2002. Yeah. And so, but with Jeremy coming in, we didn't want to have like the main solo parts. Right. We wanted to make it our sound own sounding. We, yeah. we want to make it our covers. own at that point. So it was, it was kind of like you know the same thing that you know with the mixer. You know, just like, "Hey, here it is. Do your own thing." So, like, so, it's, own so to me, and,
2: it's you know. kind of funny to hear Jeremy like, "Yeah, they don't sound like uh, you know lyrics from a thirteen-year-old." I'm like, "Oh, well, I like, didn't write
1: that one. <laughs> These are the two ones two I wrote." Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was I was guys like, "Thanks, Jeremy.
2: Mine are only fifteen years old
0: and like early twenties guitar parts." Yeah.
1: And well, it all comes together in a nice little package. No, it's kind of interesting that you were married, like you had those songs in your back, your back pocket for so long. Was there something that um, triggered them being ready? Or?
2: It was just you know, it was it was something we needed that, songs on our set. Yeah, we needed songs. On our set. <laughs> it was that was that was a song that was a song that Ryan and I have done in years past and in bands past, and I always loved yeah. it, and we never had a solid version of us doing it on our own, and it was just kind of yeah. kind of time to make that one happen. But at the same time, like, I, I still have files on my computer and that notebook upstairs, and <clears> now <throat> with the advent of telephones, I have a bunch of stupid notes on my phone that are all, like, like 30-second ideas, you know, and, and so it's fun to kind of go through those, and even the old stuff, and just, like, seeing if there's anything there to build off of. Um, because at the time, they were probably written from some emotional standpoint. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, now I'm a little bit more stable and I can be more reflective on it, but chances are I'm still upset that whatever girl broke up with me. Um, <laughs> the
1: source of many songs. Right. So. Oh
2: yeah, no, everything is just... <laughs> you, well, it's like Blink-182, but it, in less Roy Moore, it's just like... <laughs> yeah, <say> about <laughs> masturbation and uh,
3: testicles. And right. <laughs> yeah, <You know>, speak <laughs> for yourself. You didn't read any of my lyrics. Every song is about testicles. Every song. Every song. is innuendo.
1: <laughs> so I wanted to ask ask you about the song you wrote Big Testicles I think I <laughs> that, was, that was if
3: you didn't know it was about that
1: um, I, I did want to ask about Burger King because <laughs> because it's I was like, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much what it is <laughs> that one I was like oh okay this is going to be a funny silly song about burgers and then it was like no, "Not what I was expecting so what's the story with that one
2: so that one was a, a lot of a lot of our whole songwriting process It's like you know every once in a while somebody was have like a little riff on there or anything but really yeah. we tend to write everything as a group and like somebody's like hey i've got this little thing or even like while jeremy's tuning maybe i'll start jamming on something on the bass or you know and it'll just kind of start happening organically and of course you don't have lyrics at the time and so usually we kind of just like mush mouth rhythms through the microphone um and that song i don't know why but i was just thinking about the burger king ad campaign and i started yelling this isn't what you wanted because of their whole have it your way thing. Yeah. And um, and I just, that came out and that stuck there and then Jeremy was just like, all right, fine. I'm going to write around that. And we're going to see. And so we put this thing together that had nothing to do with Burger King but at that point it was already on the set list as Burger King and we were terrible at naming yeah. stuff uh, which is, we can talk about Adobe later because yeah, right. that's such a stupid name too but it was just one of those like, we finally recorded, and Kevin is like, so what's this called? And like, Burger King? And he just looks at us, shaking his head. <laughs> like, well, I guess that's the
0: name. That's uh, that's what it's going to be. I mean, that's the one part of the lyrics that's stuck in my head.
2: It's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, so we'll just call it Burger, Burger King. <laughs> yeah, so uh, hopefully we don't get sued. Yeah.
1: We're well, actually, hopefully we, do,
3: we get do get sued. sued that yeah, would be amazing. us yes, <laughs> uh, that seriously? Thank you. <laughs>
1: I think you'll be safe. Fair use. I don't know. I'm not yeah. a lawyer, but uh, so I mean, think it's, it's free a, advertising for them. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, uh, what's the story with Nadabi? So,
2: right? so Nadabi. <laughs> we're illiterate. Yeah, exactly. I was about to say uh, that. Yeah, I just comes down to in So we 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 wrote Nadabi, and and the opening lyric to that is "No doubt about it." Mm-hmm. And Nadabi was in my head an abbreviation for "No doubt about it." It took probably four months for us to realize that. About is not two words. Oh, so. oh okay. I don't think <laughs> that well. it's N D. Uh, so the, I had written on everything as N D A B I. Every set list yes. says N D A B I. We knew exactly what it was. <laughs> then we actually
3: like wrote it out. We're like, wait a minute, <laughs> what is wrong with us? Right. It doesn't work at all. <laughs> but that stuck as Nadabi forever, and
2: so. I don't feel bad about it. But Jeremy has children, and that's an important thing to note because his kids are doomed. <laughs> uh, English will not. but well, that's the least of their problems. Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> You'll have to give him a lesson why. Why is <laughs> incorrect? <Right. reason> <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, so long and short, we're I'm really good at math. we're words. really bad at naming things. You should uh, meet your really kids. Uh, yeah, I think it's more of the hot ability. dog and <laughs> hot dental dog floss. And, yeah, no, that was yeah. your cat. It was dental floss.
3: Ham bone. Ham bone.
1: Is it, wait, is your cat's name really Dumpelso? No, when I was a kid, oh. my
3: cat's name was Claus. Oh. Uh, I don't know why. It wasn't a cat. <laughs> I, I think, think I like had to just name something there. and I just yelled that out. I was like 12. So well, What's your ca- cat's name now? Well, it's Duncan. That's not very exciting.
1: Duncan. Right. No, that's a nice name. <laughs> Duncan the cat. Um, okay, I, so also I saw that you guys put up on Facebook, you're planning a little tour out to Chicago? Yeah, yeah. so
2: I'm, I'm originally from Chicago. Oh, is that right? And sorry that I'm talking into the beer fridge right oh, now. Oh, no, go ahead. Um, I'm originally from Chicago. I, I moved here uh, in the, the very early 90s. Um, my, so all my formative years were, were here in Maryland. But um, all my family is still out that way. And uh, actually, my cousin Tony is hilarious um, he is the epitome yeah. of like two hundred and sixty pounds, five foot five of Polish Italian. The SNL skit. He's just <laughs> the he's like Cowburst. pure <laughs> energy, and he for some reason really likes us, and he's so jazzed to get us out there. And so it's it's an ex, you know, on one hand, it's an excuse to visit family. I want deep dish. Right. Yeah. And, and on another hand, it's you know. The, we're we're a Maryland man, you know. We have we're, we're old. We have job, you know, requirements. We've got families to worry about. So, yeah, we're never going to go out for two months. Mm-hmm. Um, so to to kind of take things on the road just for fun, um, you know, head to Chicago. You know, play on the way out there. Get to Chicago, play a show, go nuts with like my thirteen cousins on that side of the family. Mm-hmm that night, and then work our way back, it's just, you know, it's a fun way to blow off steam, uh, you know, we're, we're, I think, I'm I'm speaking for us, but correct me if I'm wrong, you know, we're all in our late 30s, we're, we're not going to make it, it'd be awesome, like, if Warner Brothers heard us, it was like, hey, here's a bunch of money, be rock stars, alright, fine, but, you know... We were talking before, you know, with, with bands like Canker Blossoms and the younger bands. You know, they have the time go for it, and, you know? and, and yeah, they should yeah. go for it. And, you know. If I was their age in that position, you know.
0: Hell yeah. You right. You know, like, do it. But, so you know, old, long, old.
2: we're going to save those two-month tours for them. Let them go out and do that stuff. <laughs> we're going to go do a long weekender, uh, feel it in our backs and our <laughs> hips and our heads. For Speak like, for yourself, you know, man. I'm, I'm pretty fit. All right. All right. <laughs> I'll speak for myself. I'll feel it <laughs> in every bone in my body for like a week and a half after. But I mean, the idea is just just really have fun with this. And so, you know, I've never i I've, I've toured with other bands before, but I've never gone out that way. And I mean, my family's known me doing music forever, and they're you know they see the bands online, they they listen to the music, and I've never gotten a chance to like go play for my aunts and uncles. Yeah. And so yeah. that's my, yeah. my that's my I mean that's my whole motivation to to go out that way and just you know see the world from. The backseat of a van and try not to get into a fight. First in the U.S.
1: Out of the backseat of the van. No, that's that's the world, right?
2: <laughs> U.S. is the world stage now.
1: <laughs> it's kind of interesting you talking about making it because this is a chance for you to play the family, you know, go on a little trip. Like, is that making it in a way? Oh, to me, that's yeah, ab- yeah that's
2: absolutely. I mean, yeah. I, I'm, I'm doing something that is so much fun um, that I just. Enjoy. It is not work because we're not making any money doing it, but we're also not relying on any money from it. So that's kind of a nice relief. It's for the love, man. It's for the what? Love. I mean, it really, it really is. It's one of those things too, where like I used to talk to people, and they would be like, "Oh man, if like I'm still doing this at like 30, I'm just gonna shoot myself." And it's like that's stupid. Like you're having fun. It's fun. Huh? And plus, when you're older, you can buy way better gear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's true. Um, you could stay in a hotel when there's no place to sleep that night? Like there are benefits to doing this when you're old. And so like I I for a while I was kinda of thinking, like, how long am I gonna do this? And um and then I became friends with this band, The Stents. And they're super old. They're really They're gonna be huge. Really the name. Old. The name you Steve know, if Branson know if, yeah. Yeah. if you're listening to this Steve, you are really old. Though you're not as old as Scott. But anyway, I mean, uh, I mean but those but those guys they're I mean they're all professionals, uh, you know, they, they're great they're having guys. Fun, they're they great guys. When play. And They're great yeah. guys. You see them and they have all the energy of a 17-year-old and they go out and they kill it yeah. every time. And I just, I sat there one night and I watched them and I was just like, I'm never going to question how long I'm going to do this for. If yeah. I can hold a base and get at least one other person to hang out with me. And have I'm fun doing, doing it. This. That's the key part. You oh, absolutely. You fun doing it. I don't think we, I mean, at this point, you know, at, at 38 years old, why would I do it if it sucked? Right. You know,
1: there's no, nothing, I mean, nothing forcing you. It's so fun is kind of the making it, I guess. Right. You know?
2: Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's good. Now I can tell my mom I made it. <laughs> <laughs> See, mom, those lessons paid off. Yeah, right. They were channel lessons.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, some of them were, but. <laughs>
1: Um, so talk to me about how you guys write songs. Um, what's the process like?
3: Uh, I think generally one of us comes yeah. in with a piece yeah. or, or two pieces of something. are like, this is a really good progression. Here's what I have in my mind. And then everyone else goes, yeah, that's great. But what if it was like this instead? And You slightly change it up. Right. Uh, or just add. Or, or we're like, well, that's good. We'll how about this other piece added to it? And we'll fool around with it for a practice and then kind of record a cheap version on a phone or something so we don't forget it. Right give it back to everybody, and then the next practice will come back and be like, okay, that middle part is actually, you know, again, we stole that line from Journey, let's move this yeah. somewhere else. I was gonna say, yeah, you usually start to Ryan listen to
2: Don't Stop believing. <laughs> <laughs> came in with the guitar. <laughs> Please. Yeah, go ahead. Play that record. When, when the new EP comes out, when Beta Males comes out, listen to that, and then listen to Don't Stop Believing, and let us know.
3: <laughs> let, <laughs> <they> know. <laughs> and at least, uh, you know, after we decide, yeah, we do like this, we're going to build it. I, I don't write lyrics first, and then music later. Okay. I know some people do. I, I don't. I don't learn music. And then I have in my head what the vocals will do. I don't have words. I have syllables or sounds or even, like, one interesting thing I want to do over it, But I don't know what the words are going to be. That's kind of how Burger King started. Right. I knew exactly what I wanted it to sound like, but I had zero words. So the first bunch of recordings would be just literally just, like, Boop, bap, zip, bap, bated it, you know, the <laughs> whole way through the whole thing. Right. And some of it ended up sounding like some of the words that ended up being in the song, and that was like, okay, there's a line that sounds like something, let's write around that. But well, it's, it's. I, I like that it's a community yeah, right. collaborative songwriting yeah. generally, with the exception of But For You that was more or less finished. Uh, everything else we've written kind of from one of us having a piece, or, or just, yeah, like Paul says, I think Burger King's one where we literally really were just, you around like, That's sure. the thing I like. Let's yeah. work on the yeah. that. That's
0: actually it. You were just you were just actually messing around on the guitar. I remember I was just sitting there drinking beer, and then he was like, <laughs> Jeremy keep playing that, You know, I get behind yeah. the drums, and it's like we start from there. It's like okay, basic beat, you know, basic structure, and then we just keep playing until we kind of figure out okay, this is what we
2: want to do, and you, you know, it just works well, right from there. It's another it's very thing cool. too that is kind of actually kind of a little bit new for me is you know we're now practicing <clears> in my basement, so. When music is done here and everybody has to go home, I'm already home, but I'm kind of still on that mental trajectory that we just finished practice. I've mm-hmm. got stuff going. And so Jeremy has suffered through, I don't know how many text messages while he's on his way home. And I'm just like, <laughs> that thing we did. How about these words? And so <laughs> it's all down there. I'm like, man, I'm driving.
3: Right. I'm, I'm <laughs> just,
2: I am trying to go to Wawa and get a sandwich down before I get home. And so like, it's, it's been a thing, too. It's like these guys will leave and, and that... Whatever we just did, I'm like amped on it and it's burned in my head. And so now I'm like I'm texting and I'm trying to and they probably want me to shut up. But it's been really cool because I think we've gotten a couple things out of that. And it's been fun because, you know, Jeremy and I do the back and forth singing, um, and I think that's really reflective of how we're kinda of write a lot of this stuff too, is you know, he'll rhythm out or two. Right. And and it's cool because it I mean when we put on when I was doing the artwork for this EP I and mean, it you know, all songs by the Sopastics. like that's true. I mean, as a group, yeah, we we'll have a,
0: a bit of yeah, we'll have a piece in, in the songwriting process. So it's not like a because it's a very much of a collaborative effort, which, right. is a, which is which is one of the reasons why I love music. You know, it's yeah, there are a lot of musicians out there. Like you put them out there, they can play instruments amazingly by themselves. You know, but then try to get that you know talent you know mix that with other musicians. It's you know. That doesn't doesn't mean that they're a great musician. You know? Good thing so, you're dealing with two guys who don't have that musicianship ego. I don't know, go, <laughs> I don't know it, man. But no, it's just it's just the whole being able to just yeah, just be able to play and like, hey, I think this sounds cool and people are like, Hey, I like that. Let's let's run with that? And we
3: do have the same... We kind of have the same interest in what we like. I mean, yeah. We have our own influences, thing We all have very same... I think I've got more of a metal edge on some things I'm into than you guys might be, but... Well, it's yeah. kind of funny. I was thinking about this... You're an enabler. I'm just saying enabler for speed. You're for speed. Oh, man. Yeah. I can't... I can't <laughs> do <laughs> do but him. literal song speed, not Yeah, well, speed. yeah not, drugs, <laughs> not drugs. Not drugs. Just make clear. sure we're not just talking about
0: meth or anything like that. If Jeremy's kids are
2: listening to Just say no to meth. No, I was thinking about musical influences the other day, and it's kind of funny because... You could almost line us up and put me in the middle, and, like, Jeremy's on one end with, like, a lot of metal and a lot of, like, harder, faster punk, and then Ryan's kind of on this other end with, like, Alkaline Trio and, and like... You no know, effects. No effects. And, Fat Records, And then I'm in the middle, and I'm just like, I like all of these things, <laughs> and so it's, it's kind of funny that it's just, like, we can cover this whole spectrum, and, like, yeah, sometimes we write a song that, like, sounds like crappy no effects, and then mm. sometimes... We try to rip off hot water music, and it doesn't work. But it ends up being our own thing, and it's yeah. kind of cool.
1: So I like to ask this question to punk fans because it's such like a specific genre, or it can be a pretty specific genre. Um, and also, you guys have been doing it for a long time. How do you keep things fresh? Like, How do you work within the format <laughs> we, of We don't keep things
3: fresh. We just told you we have a song from 1999. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I mean, at least for, in my case, I've really switched around to what I've been playing, the the bands I was in before this for the previous ten years were more like thrash bands mm. and and metalier punk bands. So this for me, I really like it. But especially the songs on this uh, on Beta Mails are a lot slower and a lot more. You know, when we started <laughs> doing this, I was like, I imagine it would be a Ramon style three chord, and that's not what we're doing at all. Right. And and for the entire time I played music, even when it was current, I was like, you know what, I hate music from the nineties. And that's what we're doing. It's like the this <laughs> music I've ever put out. But I, I mean, I like it. It's really interesting. It's on the, you know, I'd say it's on the softer edge of what I would be into, but I, I really am enjoying it. Right.
2: And I think the whole, like, the whole keeping it fresh thing is just, I mean, again, we, I think we really solid chemistry as, as three guys hanging out in a basement. And not taking things seriously. That yeah, I mean, serious, we've been able to have kind of a relaxed seriously. attitude towards it, so it's really. And the whole thing too is like I I cringe sometimes with the label punk because I know there's somebody out there just like I am. Not that punk. band is not punk, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I am not punk. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like Ryan's wearing a turtleneck right now, <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, the, the vest. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, no slacks with, with got my ascot on right yeah, now. <laughs> he, has, he has slacks with pleats. I mean. The, Sure, that the, the label is a thing, um, you know, but for us, we just, we're having fun doing what we're doing, and we'll, we'll write any song. You know, we've got some songs that are faster and harder and heavier, and that's cool because we just liked playing at the time. And then we have other songs that are slower or more melodic, and it's just, it's what came out of us. Yeah. So, you know, we're good with that. You know, we're not going to throw anything on the trash pile because like, oh, it's too thrashy or oh, it's too this or
3: too that. But we have thrown our fair share of things in the trash pile. We've, We've written a lot, lot of trash. garbage. It's yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not about the song quality. The <laughs>
1: Look for that on the next record. <laughs> <laughs> we're out of material. Yeah. There are no
3: lyrics. It'd just be screaming profanities because
1: I can't remember how the songs go. <laughs> I nice. we'll have
3: Oscar the Grouch on the cover.
1: Yeah, I bet that. Um, so how did you guys get into music let me ask you first
3: I've always I mean since my parents were very musically inclined we had a piano in the house my dad would play acoustic guitar and you know they were into folk music and like the mamas and the papas, and stuff that was way stuff that I don't care for at all. So but okay, they were always do. into it. Well, my dad was big into the Beach Boys. That's more like what, what led me <laughs> yeah. into at that point than pop and the and, and Screeching Weasel and all those bands. It's not a bad not but, a I mean, bad literally, from the time I was, uh, I, I could ever remember, I've always been playing music. My mom made me learn enough piano. I can't play piano at all, but it was a start of learning music theory without knowing it. And then I took my dad's guitar and would learn how to play uh, essentially what I would consider bass lines because I wasn't playing chords. Um, but then once I was. 13, I told my parents, like, I want I want a bass guitar. I mean, you know, all the friends that I had were all going to start, you know, oh, we're going to start a band you with know, 14 guitars. That's not going to work. But everyone wanted to play different <laughs> instruments. Uh, you know, almost everybody else wanted to play you know, I want to play just the first three Metallic albums over and over again. And I was like, well, I don't want to play that. I want to play this other, you know, I want to play something different. At that time, uh, unfortunately, I'd say my biggest influence when I was 13 was the Red Hot Chili Peppers, so I want to play slap bass. So <laughs> yeah. A lot up.
2: of that came up when we were recording, by the way. I played There's so a lot of Red Hot Chili bass. Peppers talk.
3: And then I was like 14, I was like, I'm never playing slap bass again. But I had already gotten the basics down for bass. So then from then on, it was just finding people to play with. And I've been pretty much playing on and off since then. Uh, just to try to do, you know, whatever I was into at the time when I was younger. So I did like a minor threat style band, and I did a, okay. a really, really terrible funk thing that I'm glad never was recorded
1: anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really upset now.
3: Cherry <laughs> playing uh, funk? Oh, it was bad. It was very bad. What was the name, didn't what was the name. name of the band? It didn't have the name, thankfully. <laughs> I did not have the ska band with Dave Vermillion, oh, uh, yeah, who's yeah. now in the, the Pie Tasters. Pie Tasters yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'd had one practice, and we realized that we didn't know how to write sheet music for actual instruments, so... I was playing guitar, and he was playing bass, and we brought all these people in from the high school band at Arundel, and he had written out sheet music, because we had one song that was embarrassingly called Go Feet, and (laughs) but for a Scott song, that makes sense, and and we had wrote all the sheet music, had like 12 people there. And everyone hit their car, their notes at once, and because we didn't know how to transpose music properly, it just sounded like a car accident. Oh, like, well, God. let's never do this again. And then we had one more practice of a hardcore version of that same band. Nice. And then it went away. So I. I... <laughs> Question: Does your
2: funk band have two bass players? Because I tried that. Oh, that would nice. be good. No, it's not. Swank. It's but, not uh... yeah. Snipe was <laughs> the only one that pulled that off. That was another Baldwin Hall thing. But... Yeah. Well, they're from Richmond, but it doesn't matter.
1: But that's uh, what area. I saw then. Mm-hmm. All right, and uh, how about you, Ryan? How'd you get into this?
0: <clears throat> Music? Um, I just remember just being into it when I was a kid, um, I remember always like doing the air drums and just playing along the songs. Um, and then until, I guess I was around like probably like 12, 13, I actually started to, you know, really take more of an interest in it. And then, you know, again, going to that Baldwin Hall show when I, it was the P-Tanks, it was, it was probably one of the best shows, it was like P-Tanks, Swank. Vorka and the Shapers. When I was
2: at that show and I still have a shirt from that that has so many moth holes in it. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> um, and just seeing, again, just like... And, and the thing is just seeing everyone having fun on stage, just seeing the experience, how much fun it was. I mean, and again, just seeing how much the crowd was enjoying. It was just the whole experience. So you're so just, like, I just everything have to about something it. now. No, I was just like, I, I, like, I want to do this, you know? <laughs> and then, so sure enough, after years of air drumming, mm-hmm. you know, finally got my own drum set when I was probably like 19, 20. And then been learning how to play ever
1: since. And
0: just, yeah, it just hasn't stopped. Just it's just, it's, just, it's, just really, it's a lifelong thing. Like, you know, for me at least, it's, I realize that, you know, there are times you go through your lulls, at least, I don't know if you guys go through lulls, but I know sometimes i are Maybe crippling depression. Certainly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's just times where. I just want to relax, or whatever. But it's just like if I'm away from my musical instruments, I will go crazy. Yeah, I, yeah, will, I, know. I will go crazy. Yeah. So he will. it's, the, <laughs> it's <just> a promise, <laughs> kind of. It's it's one of these <laughs>
2: things where it. Uh, yeah, I love music. And how about you? I I wanted to be a drummer when I was like in first grade, and we found this red sparkly drum kit in my grandmother's attic, and I was just like. We are taking this sucker home. (laughs) I don't know. It was. It's probably like some vintage. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird. Because my grandma was loaded, so it was probably something like I could retire on had I (laughs) kept it. And we brought it home, and my parents were like, "Well, if you're going to learn it, you have to do school band." And so they signed me up to play snare drum in school band, and that lasted one week. And then they were like, "That's it." You can't do this anymore. It's You're terrible. too Polish. And my father, my father was actually an orchestral musician. He was like in the Chicago Young Businessmen's Orchestra and stuff. So we had like smaller size violins and stuff. So they they were like, you can't play drums anymore. That's just awful. So they, I started in second, probably about second grade on violin, and I played violin for a bunch of years, and I played viola for a bunch of years. Cello? cello? Any cello? I yeah. did dab around with cello in middle school orchestra. Cellos are great. And then I did play a little bit of upright bass, um, but that was just kind of like, this thing is giant and cool, I want to try it out. And um, then I kind of like, then I, like, I was just like, orchestral is not cool. I know better now. It's actually kind of cool. Yeah, uh, But then <laughs> it was it's like... like Well, it was like my parents had this 88 station wagon that when I was 15 years old, I was like, you have to get rid of this thing. It's awful. Mm -hmm. And then when I turned 16, I was like, I'm an idiot. I could have taken 20 people everywhere with me. (laughs) The hindsight's terrible. But so then I I just started playing, you know, I I played so many four-stringed instruments. I was like, electric bass, that's what I'm going to do. So when I was 14, I started playing electric bass and I... Took lessons, and I can still play "Killin' in the Name of" nice. and uh, and Jeremy, and I do it pre- every, every damn show. show. Yeah, uh, it's paying tribute, and like I wanted to learn every Metallica song, and I played. All, you know, I had bands in high school, uh, like really crazy, stupid emo bands, because like "Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness" was mm. just on. I had a lot of different things that I listened to, and that one was on solid rotation. I was a very confused. Child, is that Smashing Pumpkins? No, it was Smashing Pumpkins. I said, I have that the Tor- crazy like dual disc, yeah, yep, double disc yep. set. I was a big Tori Amos fan. I worked. That's
0: at when 20. Jimmy Chamberlain got busted for heroin. Yes, yes. And they had to bring in the drummer for Filter, I
2: believe. You know person. too much about this. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, but my influence in high school were all the place. I was doing this Crofton punk scene, but like, I was working at a Boy Scout summer camp, and I opened my footlocker, and I had a giant picture of Tori Amos yeah. in there, and like nobody knew what that was or what was going on. I was like, don't look at me. <laughs> So, yeah, so I've kind of, I've really, I mean, I've played bass since I was 14, and it's really shameful to say because I should be a lot better at I
0: should be a lot better at the drums, Jesus. Jesus. But, uh, I yeah, you guys it's started really playing fairly easy,
1: early on, you. it sounds like.
0: Been playing oh. for 20 some years? Yeah. yeah. Wow, that makes me...
2: Me-ish. Yeah, like it makes me, me feel <laughs> like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, I, I've, I've got a car that I work on as a hobby, and people are like never total receipts. Like you should never just yeah. think about how much you put into your craft. Just no. be happy that you're still doing it. What was it say? Ten thousand hours
0: makes you an expert. I don't know if I'm a, I don't know
1: if I <laughs> yet. She had the hours. I'm an expert. In what not to do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Um, all right, so so what's next? We talked a little bit about your tour plans. This record's coming out. Right. Um, anything else coming up we ought to know about?
2: Yeah, so we've, we've got this record coming out um, on Snubbed Records, which is a little outfit out of Annapolis. Um, they've released the Blossom
3: new CD in space, and the, they just put out that split with Ailments and right. the Independence. Right. So they got a
2: bunch of stuff that's coming out, and we're, we're I mean we're really psyched to be on it. Ron is just a, a cool guy and really just is into supporting us and getting music out there. And, and likewise, we're into supporting him. You know, Jeremy went to high school with him, and they've known each other for a long
3: time. And, and Unlike Baltimore, Annapolis doesn't have at least an organized, I don't know if I'd want to say punk, but an organized music scene that's not bar music. There's yeah. plenty of that, but there's not that many, you know, I'm sure that they are, there have to be somewhere, but as far as, that play in real venues where yeah. you can say like, "Hey, we're playing on Thursday night." At this play, there's not much of that in the right. So, Metropolitan is pretty much one of the few places that that books a lot of shows that you know makes sense to have a full sound set up, and it's not just, "Yeah, can you guys bring brushes and <laughs> an acoustic guitar?" So, yeah. it, it's nice uh, to to have someone in Annapolis really trying to organize things. Well, and and he's and doing and that with with the wave. Honestly, the out.
2: people are really cool. I mean, we we played a show at Tsunami in Annapolis which is like a sushi restaurant and it was a Sunday night and it was this was Sunday packed. night of the packed. Game of Thrones premiere and it was packed it was so weird but yeah mean they actually still...
0: pushed back the start time to accommodate, right, to the, accommodate the premiere
2: so no like we're I mean I love Baltimore that's that's you know really where you know I've spent most of my time musically and the tour of the bands I love are from but it's fun to get down to Annapolis and do that stuff so we're actually playing, uh, I don't know when this will come out. We're playing It'll December. It'll be
1: a couple weeks, so. So we're playing in
2: two weeks. You got December 20th. <laughs> so you missed it. Sorry. December are playing December 20th at Metropolitan Annapolis. Um, then we gotta get through the new year. We're obviously gonna do, keep doing local stuff whenever we're asked, and, you know, we're planning that tour in May. We got asked tonight, uh, to play the Savage Mountain Punk Festival in Frostburg in August of 2018. So getting that one on the calendar early. But really, we did I mean, play that a couple years ago. It was fun. We did play that a couple years ago. It was a really good time. And it, So for us, I mean, it's, we're just going to keep going. You know, it, I see bands that come through town that I admire, and I immediately look up who the booker is, and I send them a ton of email, and I promise them absurd things <laughs> to give me show. Because really, I mean, f- at least for me, the, the point of doing this now, at the age we're at, at the stage in life we're at, I want to share a stage with people that I respect and admire. And I'm going to go to that show anyway, but this way I don't have to pay a cover. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe they can borrow my bass gear, so yeah.
1: it works out. I kind of feel like I'm, I i don't see shows unless I'm playing them lately, which right. is bad. I need to fix that, but I guess that's just part of getting older, maybe.
2: I uh, know. I actually I, I signed up for, for, uh, for more uh, sound guy shifts at the sidebar just so I'm out and seeing things that... Especially things that I wouldn't normally see. Because, again, it's really, you know, there's so many paths of punk and music in Baltimore. It's really easy to kind of get locked into one. And, really, I recommend to anybody listening, step outside whatever your comfort zone is at some point. If you haven't gone and seen the Plurals, they're friends of mine. They're awesome. If you haven't gone and seen Post Pink, go see them. They're awesome. See Lilies. Awesome. I mean... You know, and the bigger bands, Future Islands, they're ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so much that's going on in the city that just just take a chance. Go to the side bar. Go to the auto bar. Go to Metro Gallery. Go to Wine of Space. Just pay the seven bucks. And you, worst case is it sucks, and you've got a good story. Worst case is we're playing, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. um, all right, guys. I usually wind things down by asking uh, asking people for advice, basically. So just go around, like, what advice would you give to, say, like, a 10-year-old kid that is thinking about picking up a guitar, thinking about picking up a bass?
3: Just do it. I mean, it's worth picking up a guitar and just just play around with it. Find songs you like and learn how to play even a rudimentary version of that song. I mean, everything I learned to start, uh, and admittedly, they weren't very good, and I was self-taught, which is not a pride statement. I should have gotten real lessons, but I didn't. (laughs) But everything I learned was just listening to it and picking up on it. I think that's one of the... One of the skills I have is I can hear something and at least play a version of it, the rhythm version of whatever it is. You know, I hear an amazing soul. I'm like, that's great. I'm not going to do that. But if it's, you know, any song with the rhythm parts, I can hear it two or three times. Like, let me hammer through this real quick and we're good. Um, And that's something I wouldn't have done if I didn't sit there and do that. But the other thing is, don't be afraid to play live. I mean, it's, it was hard to do the first time. I was really freaked out about it. But the moment I started, I was like, oh, this, this is what I like doing. Mm -hmm. This is why I do this. Like uh, at least for me personally, I I'm because, glad we recorded. I'm glad we have this thing coming out. Right. I absolutely hate everything else about this except for playing live. Record, you know, practice is good. Playing live is good, but I hate recording. I don't really recording like recording. I don't like <laughs> it you know. I'm not good at promoting. With... I'm not good. at Obviously, I'm not good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good at a lot of these things. But I love playing live. Like that's the best feeling. Yeah. So just get a guitar, work at it, find some friends that want to do something even similar, and don't be afraid to to. Go outside of your comfort zone, like Paul said, even with musically. Like, I don't like country music, but I'd play country music all day long if someone wanted to just sit around and jam country music. That's fine, mm-hmm.
2: fine with me. Music. I enjoy
3: playing something outside my right. comfort zone. I'm only I in two country
2: bands, thanks.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Bold <laughs> the yes. and Dolly Parks. No. <laughs> yeah, in <laughs> <been> my voice. <points laughs> <out. laughs> but yeah, that's it. Just just do yeah. it. Get it. Always guitar, be
0: closing. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Give me that coffee back. That coffee's for closer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was on last night. That mm-hmm. no, was Yeah, it. yeah. Great movie. Alright, All right, Ryan Advice.
0: Um Honestly, I think I'm trying to think. I think the biggest thing I'm trying to go back to when I was a young, aspiring musician and being told that I couldn't play the drums. Um
1: Who would do that?
0: Do a kid. Um, well, <laughs> well, no, these, these are these are <laughs> I'd walk right up to a kid. <laughs> you, these, these, are, these are people who would doubt, but you know, I think, it, it, but taking that in, it's like, you know, I had this belief in myself. You know, one of the things I love music that was the first one I love it. And I knew I had this belief in myself that I can play this, like, I hear it in my head, like, I can hear everything forming in my head perfectly. I just got to be able to articulate it with my hands and feet. And so, I think everything is just amount to belief in yourself and to not give up. Really, because there could have been any time where because, yeah, playing the drums can be very, very frustrating when you're learning how to play, you know, learning how to keep time with the hi-hat and you do all all that stuff. And then being told that you can't play. And, of course, you admire all these bands and you see how awesome these drummers are and you try to emulate that. Um, so knowing that I could do what these guys are doing, like I could do that, you know, I know I can do that. Um, so, yeah, believe in yourself. You know, don't believe the doubters
2: and uh, don't give up. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, we don't play bass around Kurt. <laughs> but no, uh, that's not yeah. true at all. <laughs> no, uh, no, I mean, if, for me, it's kind of echoing a lot of what, what these guys have said already. I mean, if you want to do it, just pick it up and go for it. You were worse yesterday than you are today. And as long as you keep going at it, you're going to be better than you were. And for me, the best part about this has not been like, oh, I've learned how to play crazy bass lines, and I'm like the best bass player in the world, because I'm certainly not. For me, it's been all the relationships that I've made through music. Uh, and, and that includes all the good ones and the bad ones. I mean, that's everybody I've been in a band with. That's everyone that I've played with. That's everyone that I've gotten to a fight with. That's everyone i got into a drunken hugs with. I mean... I look at my circle of friends, and I look at my my arc of friends as I've kind of grown older and everything has been so centralized around music and and the music community. And I think we all kind of, whether we've said it or not, we kind of have a shared uh, uh, background. We all kind of have similar life experiences and and you can kind of walk into a room with a bunch of musicians or other artists and just, it's immediately Mm. comfortable And uh, for me it's like that's that's been the thing because I'm a a loud mouth I'm a talker a lot of that comes out of being nervous Um, and some of the times where I'm the most quiet is when I'm just with people who who get it Mm -hmm. and want to do it and and that's awesome and I wouldn't give up any of that so I have a recorder here if this was all I played Take me back to elementary. <laughs> That's all I played. I'd still do it. I'd find a band that was like, "We need a, we need a swanky ass recorder player," and I would do it because it's just, it's just
1: fun. I want to hear some of your guys' songs with recorders. We actually
2: yeah. do have it. I'll. We ah, have. Please don't. Play. I. I, I, I should send it. But, no, we. We. So Jeremy mentioned before, like when we were writing songs <laughs> and stuff, we put a, a mic in the back of the room, and uh, and we r- record demos, and we did that. And I have a terrible. Well, not terrible. The keyboards, right. we did that the keyboards, year. great. I have a little Micron that sometimes will like play stupid things through or hip hop beats. But there was one time we ended a song and I played like two notes on a recorder for about a minute and a half <laughs> at, after the song and just made it. But still I still hear it on every time we. Every time it plays, like you still hear them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's
1: amazing. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for your time. Absolutely. This is thank, you. thank you. It was cool. All right.